Hi, this is Ken Morton Jr., and you are listening to the 28th episode of the Hazel Rockets podcast, and I'm really excited that you uh, you came to join us. On episode 27 last week, we started a little three-part series here on uh, inclusion and diversity in golf that uh, we're excited to bring you the second in that three-part series. Uh, our guest today is probably the foremost expert on that topic in the game of golf, and uh, I'm really excited to share with you a conversation that we had with with Sandy Cross. But um, I'll get into that a little bit. Um, you know, in the, everybody's asking kind of why is this important? Uh, why is uh, diversity inclusion in golf? Um, and beyond golf, so important. And I, I recently read an article in a Forbes magazine that I, th- I thought was important. Um, right now, we have 5 billion people in the world who are looking to uh, serve and looking around and saying that we need to make sure that we leave this world in a better place. People choose who they want to do business with. They choose who they want to hang out with. They choose who they want to give their money with based upon how good of stewards that they are in the world. And that comes with everyday household and personal care products, but it also comes in the games that they play, the things that they do, the places that they go. And as a result, it's part of golf. Also, we make a very deliberate decision to build things like sustainability, equality, inclusion into the decisions that we make in everyday life. And the the places that do it better, uh, we want to uh, be more part of the places that do it worse are places that we don't give our business to or that we don't want to be involved in. Um, and golf as a game historically has done exceptionally poor on that. And and Sandy will give a little hint on why that is. Um, and with with the PGA of America in particular, but they have since taken a really big leadership role in trying to create inclusion in the game of golf. Um, it's extremely important. They're dedicating tons of resources, positions, money, activities, um, all kinds of other resources to make sure that the game is open up to whomever wants to play it. We really love to build a strong sense of connection and belonging in our culture, and golf isn't different. We want to be able to do that within this game that we uh, come to love as well. Um, one of the biggest challenges that we face is uh, inviting diversity and dividing um, gender uh, inclusion, inclusionary efforts into the game of the golf because it's forever been thought of as a rich white man's sport, and to a certain degree, it has been. And we need to break down those walls if we're going to continue to grow the game and uh, pass on this passion for the game that everybody has. And if you're listening to this podcast, um, certainly would include you as well. Um, Our guest today is a member of the PGA of America staff since 1996, and her name is Sandy Cross. She serves in the newly created position of Chief People Officer Cross leads the PGA initiatives regarding its most important asset, its people. She's charged with enhancing a purpose-driven and values-based culture as the PGA of America strives to be personally fulfilling and meaningful to a multi-generational team. And what does that mean? She's been tasked to create more diversity, both in the workplace on the PGA of America side, as well as in the industry 
uh, as a whole. In her role, she oversees the inclusion and adversity goals of the PGA of America and the human resources departments. Um, earlier in her career at the PGA of America, she was the senior director of inclusion and diversity, during which time she launched the department and laid out the strategic plan for driving its integration efforts across all lines of the business. So literally, she is taking this effort from the ground up, and she's having, as you're going to hear later, major um, successes in her goals. In her prior role as the Director of Women's and New Market Initiatives, she led the groundbreaking Connecting With Her strategic initiative to attract and retain women in the sports. And that was a groundbreaking evolution for the PGA of America. She's attracting new people into the game of golf as well as new people into uh, the industry where to act as instructors and teachers and executives and general managers and all that kind of stuff, of which you're going to hear one in next week's podcast. Um, she was also the PGA's Director of Business Development, where she secured and cultivated some of their long-standing corporate partnerships. She has a Master's of Sport Administration from Kent State, a Bachelor of Arts in Legal Studies from the University of Buffalo, and she also was a collegiate volleyball player for four years and loves the game of golf. We're super excited to have Sandy Crass on our podcast today, and uh, without further ado, let's dive into that interview. All right. Well, I'm here with Sandy Cross with the PJ of America. And um, Sandy, thank you so very much for uh, spending a little time with us this morning. Ken, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, you have a very unique role within the PJ of America. And, and hopefully for our listeners, maybe we could start with that and kind of maybe talk about um, kind of what you're doing for, for the game of golf. Sure, absolutely. So I have the good fortune of being our chief people officer at the PJ of America, and I oversee two primary functions or efforts. One is our people team. So we are focused on a shared values-based culture at the PJ of America, making sure that we are values-based as we pursue our mission to serve our PJ members and grow participation in the sport of golf. And very much related to that and really inextricably linked to that are our efforts in the inclusion and diversity space. So people and culture and inclusion and diversity. And our ultimate goal, Ken, on the inclusion and diversity side is to create a game and a golf industry workforce and a golf industry supply chain that better reflects the demographics of America. So you're kind of you're kind of the hub of the wheel kind of on two separate things. There's the golf professionals and trying to create a, a diverse group of teaching professionals around the world, but then using that to then create more inclusive programming around the country as well, if I'm correct. Is that accurate? That is correct. And our more than 28,000 PGA professionals, the lion's share of them, I believe 95% of them are male and 90% of them are Caucasian. So when we think about the demographics of the PGA of America membership, the demographics are still pretty homogenous from a gender standpoint and a race and ethnicity standpoint. And it's critically important that we evolve those demographics because it's very natural, it's human nature for consumers 
to want to see others that look like themselves or come from a background similar to their own when they're pursuing a leisure time activity or a career path. So evolving the composition of the PJ of America membership is really important to the entire sport's ability to attract and retain the next generation of golf consumers in this country and to frankly sustain the business at the national and local levels. So on, on that side of things, what kind of things is the PGA of America doing to attract um, women professionals and uh, people of color and, and trying to diversify the ranks of, of the PGA pros? So on the workforce development or workforce diversification front, which includes the PGA members that you talked about, as well as the broader golf industry workforce, you may know there's approximately 2 million jobs in golf annually. So evolving the composition of all those workers is critically important. There's a number of things that we're doing. Uh, one of the signature programs, if you will, is called PGA Job Match. And as we think about the PGA of America major spectator championships, such as the Ryder Cup, the PGA Championship, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, for example, when those championships are deployed, there are hundreds of shifts on a daily basis that need to be filled to kind of build and power those quote-unquote cities. So there's a lot of opportunity for skilled and unskilled labor for P through PGA Job Match for individuals from a variety of backgrounds and abilities to avail themselves of full-time and part-time paid employment opportunities surrounding those championships, leading into the event, during the event, and sometimes post-event are those employment opportunities. And one thing that's really special about them, Ken, is it gives individuals the opportunity to see up close and personal the operations of those championships and what it takes to build and power those championships. And it's a variety of roles. And in many, many of the roles do not require golf background, knowledge, ability, or experience. It could be transportation, logistics, security, decor, uh, food and beverage, hospitality, catering, a whole wide variety of roles, technical roles, audiovisual, sound, just a real wide variety. So that's PJ Job Match is at the forefront of our efforts to diversify the industry workforce. But specifically on PGA members, it's been critically important for us to broaden our recruiting efforts in making sure that we are in front of individuals and their parents when we think about young prospective talent, that we get in front of individuals from backgrounds that have historically been underrepresented in the sport including women and including individuals who, who are racially and ethnically diverse in getting on their radar early so they understand the size and scope and scale of the golf business and the PGA member career path opportunity that exists. It's really, really important. And as you know, in order to become a PGA professional accredited as a PGA professional, you have to pass our playing ability test. So it's critically important that 
the PJ of America, and really everyone who is working in the golf space, that we are filling the pipelines of youth programs with more girls and more youth of color. Because those girls and those youth of color need to learn the game of golf at an earlier age. So they have, they develop the skill and the proficiency to play the sport at a pretty high level and pass that playing ability test, which is a critical step on the pathway to PGA membership. I know for us, we, you know, we're always on the lookout for female golf professionals. It seems like um, you know, as soon as they come on to our teaching staff, which we have a big teaching staff of 18 pros, their books are almost filled instantaneously. And, you know, the, the need is so big out there for, for female instructors. I'm interested to know if, you know, you guys are fairly early in on this process, if you've seen some success stories so far. There has been growth, absolutely, on the women's front, and more women are considering and entering into the PGA member career path, both on the the coaching and teaching side of the game, but as well as on the business operations and executive management side of the game. There's definitely growth there, not as much as we would like to see or as quickly as we would like to see, but there is a consistent upward trend uh, in terms of women in the business, flipping over to kind of the backside, once we're um, once we're getting more females and more people of color into the uh, teaching ranks and, and golf professional ranks, are you seeing programming on the backside that uh, is more diversified and and more broad in its scope of of attendee? We are, and it's interesting because as terrible as the pandemic has been for individual lives and businesses around the globe, the sport of golf and the business of golf has really benefited in the face of the pandemic. And it almost feels a little awkward or uncomfortable to say that, that, that the sport has been somewhat of a beneficiary but golf has provided an activity that consumers from all backgrounds and all identities and abilities can engage in in a very responsible way in an outdoor setting. So it's, it's something that consumers were able to turn to in the midst of you know, lockdowns and, and all the things we experienced throughout the pandemic. So there's been an uptick in new golfers as well as returning golfers who maybe have left the game for quite a while and an uptick in participation and trial of the sport across many dimensions of diversity and a variety of individuals. And it's really important right now for the golf industry to make sure that this isn't just a moment in time. We need this to be a movement. All of the individuals that tried golf for the first time during the pandemic or returned to golf during the pandemic, we have to be very focused on what are we going to do collectively to retain those individuals in the game for the long haul. So that's a really big focus right now. 
the golf industry has come together and launched a marketing movement for a multi-year movement called Make Golf Your Thing. And that's really the whole premise is we want everyone, every individual, regardless of background, to make golf their thing on whatever form, fashion, or terms they want to engage in in the sport. It's your game, your way, however you want to consume it, but make golf your thing. With, you know, if you are a, you know, junior golfer that's maybe getting towards the end of your high school or, or collegiate career or even a, you know, a parent or even, a, you know, maybe a general manager at a club and you're wanting to be more involved in in diversifying the professional ranks um, and and having a, a broader scope of, of uh, folks working at your facility, where's kind of a good starting point for them? I think it's important to take a multifaceted approach. You know, for many years, the industry was solely focused and laser focused on what we would call growth of the game or player development opportunities, club in hand experiences. And that's critically important, but it's also important to look at diversifying your workforce, look at diversifying your procurement or supply chain. And when you're thinking about for your business, uh, securing goods and services that you need to operate the business, invite in some local and diverse owned businesses to participate in that bidding opportunity. That's such a great and suggestion. Then, pardon me? That's such a great suggestion. Oh, thanks, Ken. We really believe and we've seen it that when diverse owned businesses, not only just the ownership, but the employees there, when they're benefiting from the economics of golf, their interest in participating in the sport is likely to blossom. So that we believe that vendor inclusion and supplier diversity can really be a driver for growth of the game. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is take a broad-based approach beyond player development programs, look at the facets of your business operations through a lens of inclusion. And then the other thing I would share with your listeners is that an invitation is powerful. And if you think about the sport of golf, it is a sport of invitation. And almost every single individual that plays golf was invited out that very first time by another golfer. There's a story there. Who invited them to the course or the range that very first time? So if we think about the individuals that are currently in the sport of golf, playing the game, working in the business, they're in a very powerful position to extend invitations to individuals from backgrounds that are different from their own. So just really encourage people to leverage that powerful invitation. I think it can be incredibly compelling from a growth standpoint for our industry. Um, the you've talked kind of in some really you know great broad scopes of kind of industry as a whole. As a last question, is there a specific individual or a specific program out there that you could think of that would come to mind that um, talks about how the power of inclusion in in our industry really can make a big difference? 
Gosh, that's such a great question. There's so many PGA professionals and other industry professionals that are doing some great things locally at their at their clubs and their courses. One individual that comes to mind is among many is Ira Maleo, who's in the Northern Texas section of the PGA. And the way he's gone about evolving the composition of the workforce at Cedarcrest has been particularly impressive. And I think all of us could learn uh, from the approaches that he's taken in really casting a much wider net when looking for prospective talent for your golf facility operations. And it's, it's natural to refer someone that you know to an employment opportunity and or a procurement opportunity, but to be really intentional and deliberate and fish in some different waters or in some different pools than maybe you normally would is really powerful. And sometimes it takes extra time and attention and care to get outside your comfort zone and, and look for talent in areas where you haven't looked before, but the talent is absolutely out there. And when that talent is on your team, it can be transformational for your business and, and the customer experience and guests that you aspire to attract to your business. Well, folks, if you're out there listening and you've made it this far in our podcast, uh, I'm going to issue a challenge to you as well. You know, the power of one, as we just heard, you know, one PJ golf professional is having the difference. If golf is your thing, as, as she so eloquently said, um, make it someone else's. Invite someone else out to join you, whether it be uh, you know a youth, someone of color, uh, you know, a, uh, a lady who has not played golf before, I'd encourage you as an individual to help expand this great game that we all love. Um, Sandy, thanks so very much for your time. Uh, we sure appreciate all the insight on what the PGA of America is doing and uh, appreciate you being a guest on Hazel Rockets. Uh, with my pleasure, Ken. Thank you as well. Have a great afternoon. All right. Thanks so much.